Welcome, wombat folk and trolls, sorcerers and orcs, to Rated RPG, the fantasy role-playing podcast where we toss dice and have fun adventures with our friends. This is the Valley of Green Gold, Episode 9, previously on Rated RPG. Wendell the Wombat, played by Aaron Yanda, has had a rough, short life. In the four years that he's been alive, he's lost his father and his mother and been chased out of his hometown for experimenting on corpses. He joined a seemingly friendly traveler and ended up captive in the city of Baxter, writing spell scrolls for the financial benefit of the people who imprisoned him. But one night, he breaks free, taking a wizard spell book with him, and he smells the sea as he gets out into the city and follows his nose down toward the docks, where he runs into the legs of a mysterious creature who we'll get to in a moment. Years before that, Bunny DePayne, played by Dion Green, started his life as a kid who needed a lot of physical activity, and he didn't want to follow in his family's footsteps of soldiering for a living. His loving parents sent him away to learn professional wrestling at a special monastery, and from there he worked his entire life to become the greatest professional wrestler in the land. But the night of his biggest match, his old tag team partner, Mini Ripper, looped him into a heist to steal thousands of gold from the promotion, telling Bunny to meet him down at the docks after the match. But while Bunny wrestled for the title, somebody let his opponent's pet tiger loose, and Bunny had to break kayfabe to stop the match to save his parents from the tiger. Not only did the tiger almost kill Bunny, but now he's been expelled from the wrestling community and Mini Ripper is nowhere to be found at the docks, so Bunny, aka Ice Cold the Slab Monsoon, books passage to Crow Island where he feels his future might be brighter. There, he runs into a woman who is waiting to board the Blackbird, the ship bound for Crow Island. Her name is Silbeth Orris, then she's played by Brad Knight. She's a young Ophidian woman, a serpent person, whose romantic partner, Turley Oakcrest, was killed by bandits. Silbeth is a wild magic sorceress, and her emotions are tied to her power. She's taking her partner's body to Turley's parents, who live on Crow Island. And finally, a fungus-infused construct named Clubhead, played by Emery Jihungir, has emerged from the sewers. Forty years ago, a Thule automaton named 2.0 died in the tunnels under Baxter, but their body was soon occupied by a fungal colony. Nature magic mingled with what remained of the artificer's infusions, and 2.0 was reborn as a fungal construct. The fungus colony's home, destroyed by the collapse of the sewer tunnel, has sent Clubhead to the surface, where he seeks a fertile place known as the Valley of Green Gold. As he stands on the street corner, overlooking the ship docks, a small furry creature in a heck of a hurry runs into his legs, almost knocking him over. And as Clubhead looks down upon the creature, he says, Ooh, an animal! Gross! Wendell the Wombat, you are on your back and you're looking up at this creature. Could you please describe yourself? Yeah, so Clubhead kind of looks like a humanoid, uh, but he's very skinny. He's made of wood, and he looks like basically like a, a discarded doll that has been left in the trash for about 50 years. And while he was in the trash, a bunch of fungus grew all over him. So he's got all sorts of like fungus shelves sticking out of his body. He's got, you know, fruiting bodies sprouting out of his head. Uh, and he just kind of looks horrible. Oh, and he's got a, uh, a stick, 
like a hobo stick with a little sack hanging off the end of it. Uh, except the sack is made out of a flayed cat. So, Wendell, you look up and you see this in front of you. What do you do? What do you say? Oh, oh my gosh. What? 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 What are you? We are Clubhead. What are you? I'm, uh, I'm a wombat folk named Wendell. Uh, should I be scared and run away from you? <laughs> well, everyone else has, but we're not sure why. Wendell, uh, give me a insight check here. Fourteen. Well, he hasn't killed you yet, so maybe that's a sign. Yeah. Uh, Clubhead holds out one of his hands uh, towards you to help you up. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Be careful. I'm a, uh, I'm a very powerful um, magic person. I, I, will, I could shock you if I grasp you, oh. but I won't unless you present a threat to me. But I am very dangerous and deadly. No one should ever mess with me. Okay. Uh, well, uh, noted. Um, hey, you see that ship over there? Yes. We're trying to get on that ship. What are you trying to do? Um, I need to get out of the city as quickly as possible. I'm probably being pursued by several hundred thugs who they, they, I stole some of their things. I, um, but you know, they deserved it. It, it wasn't undeserving crime. They were jerks to me and imprisoned me in a cell for a long time. But they also taught me some magic, so it's, it wasn't all bad. Anyway, um, that's my life story. Well, why don't you just destroy them since you're so powerful? Uh, well, it would have been time-consuming, and I, uh, I, had, uh, I had to get going, because, oh. you know, I had to get on the ship. Oh, well, fun. Let's do this together, shall we? Uh, yeah, sure. What? As you look down at the at the docks, you see that there is a small shack. It's This is the Harbor Master's shack, and there's like a wooden frame bulletin board, sort of a gazebo, you know, with the roof over the top of it. And then, you know, people tack papers up there if they are in need of some help on a ship, that sort of thing. That's next to the Harbor Master's shack. You've got half a dozen large ships and then one small ship way on the end of the docks. As you're headed down to the docks, our other adventurers are already there. Silbeth, you've accompanied Turley's body packed in a coffin on a wagon to a small ship called the Blackbird. You've paid for passage, and while you're waiting to board, a tall, muscular, handsome man approaches. You've not really ever seen anyone as large and as ripped as this guy. He's wearing his hair up in a large afro bun, so he appears to be over seven feet tall. He's wearing a flashy, skin-tight blue and white silk uniform with fringe on the arms. Across his chest, a bandage is wrapped, and a tinge of crimson leaks through, revealing a series of long cuts on his muscular chest. He says, Hey, you look almost as lost as I do. How's it going? I've had better days. Oh, listen, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, I kind of just lost my, my dream job. And I'm just trying to get the heck out of here. What happened with you? I, uh, I lost my dream partner. <sighs> She's over there in that wooden box. Oh, you really lost him. Mine just ran away in a terrible scheme. Well, I'm sorry for your loss. Um, hi, my name is uh Bunny the Pain, aka Ice Cold the Slab Monsoon. You can just call me Bunny. I am Silbeth Oris. It is a pleasure to meet such a large human being. Yeah, pleasure to meet you. 
Brad, could you describe what Silbeth looks like? Mostly like a human, but if you look real closely, she has a, a yellowish tint to her eyes, and they're sort of slit, almost like a snake. She's got hair that is more yellow than blonde, and if you look real closely, her olive-colored skin has kind of a, a slight scale pattern to it and is, is a little bit shiny when you look closely. It's kind of like a Dvorakin in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you're Zanjeev from Street Fighter. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Look at us. Fighting games something like So, what happened to your partner? Like, how, how did they end up in the box, I guess is what I'm wondering. We were, we were ambushed by bandits. Oh, no. I, I need to take her to her parents on Crow Island. That is a respectful mission. Well, I like helping people. I know I just met you. But at the very least, if those bandits come attack you here... You got Ice Cold's uh, help, pal. I appreciate your help. I must warn you, I can be dangerous. Uh, I I have no control sometimes over how dangerous I am. (laughs) You've never seen me in a hardcore match with a chair, but don't worry. Silbeth looks at Ice Cold, and you see that uh, on his back, like he's got this strap across his chest, and on his back looks to be this short cane, this metal rod that's got a couple of wooden... L-shaped pieces on the top of it that are sort of folded and there's a bit of canvas there. You're not sure what it is. Kind of looks a little bit like a crutch. Uh, are you hurt? Is is that a crutch? Oh, no. Um, my old sensei, Master, when I graduated from being like a little pup to a big dog in the wrestling uh, world, he gave me this gift before I went to this city. Uh, then I, I spin it around. I'm like, you see this? I know it just looks like a simple crutch and then bam! Now it's a chair. I can sit on it but more importantly, I can whoop ass with it. So trust me, we got your back. This is old faithful right here. And then I tap it because I'm very proud of it. <laughs> Dion, could you describe what Bunny Dupain looks like? Oh, sure. Obviously, I'm a large, you know, kind of hulking dude. Do you guys remember Dazzler from the X-Men? I'm kind of dressed like that a little bit. <laughs> it's, it's like this white jumpsuit, but it's got like blue fringe all along the ends of it. And then I have kind of like a mask, like an old... 1960s Batman villain mask I just put on. And then I have IC and lettering on the sides. You're kind of a luchador? Yeah, kind of, yeah. And your ring gear from this evening mm-hmm. has those claw scratch rips through the chest of it. Oh. And so you've got bandages that are like a little bit of seeping blood through your bandages on your chest. If you see right here, so where I'm coming from is today was supposed to be like my my big coming out. Uh, I was finally going up against the biggest bad dude because I, I want to be at the top. My goal in life is to be the champion. He had a tiger. And I don't know if you notice about tigers. They're not nearly as trainable as some are led to believe. I fought a tiger with this very chair right here. I didn't win. But the tiger felt me and, and I saved my parents. So I'm, I'm a little bloody. But I'm still a champion at heart. Well, it sounds like we both have reasons to leave. So I guess we might as well keep each other company. Meanwhile, up on the uh, street, overlooking the docks... Excuse me, um, what was your name again? Uh, We're called Clubhead. Clubhead? You are called Wendell. Yes, I know. Um, I don't have any uh, money on me. Unfortunately, I... Uh, I kind of... Well, they took it. They took it all from me, and um, I'm not sure how we will. I'm not sure how we will book passage upon this ship. Um, do you have any uh, cash that you can spare me? 
What's cash? Oh, uh, wow, you don't know what money is? Oh, jeez, maybe I should reconsider hanging out with you. Um, where do you come from that you don't have money? What's money? Right. We've been in the sewers for quite some time, and our home was just destroyed. So, we're looking for a new home. We, we, we heard of this, uh, Crow Island. It's way far away from all the nasty people and nasty animals that tries to destroy us. Well, oh, nasty people and nasty animals. I see you have a, a bag made out of, what is that, a, a, a kitty? Yes. Wow. It's my sack lunch for the trip. Oh. Oh, very, very smart. Very good planning on your part. Thanks. Very clever. Um, well, we don't have any way to book passage on the ship. So how were you planning to, uh, get on? Well, we was just gonna walk on. Right, okay, we could try that. Sure, let's do it. Perhaps we should sneak on. Yeah, I guess that might be the best thing to do since we have no other way to get on unless- We could go talk to the man and see how, what, uh, what they ask for. We could. Might as well check into it. Okay, let's do that. Alright, so you head on down to the Harbor Master's shack. You've got this uh, bulletin board next to it if you want to check that out first, or you can just talk to the Harbor Master. You can see him by candlelight. He's sitting at his desk in his shack. I'll, I'll look at the bulletin board. You see just a single newspaper that's been uh, stretched out and laid out and pinned to this uh, bulletin board. In fact, uh, there are four headlines on the bulletin board that you can read. Oh. Townsperson Sean Duncan was arrested by the town guard for lewd behavior last night after a night of pick your potion did not go in his favor. Oh. Well, this one says, Local divination wizard Weary hit by horse-drawn cart. Says they never saw it coming. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, this one says, Spidey Mouse was discovered wrapped in... Foil being roasted on a spit. Lucky escape for him. This last one says, This Justin, a man calling himself Super Justin, not so super, after falling down a 6,000 foot cliff. Cutting edge journalism from the Merchant Harbor Gazette, Crow Island's finest news source. In addition to those stories, on the front page displayed prominently is another article. Lord Deputy Chris Fail has passed legislation on Crow Island to allow the construction of Mebay Beachside Estates. And Mebay Beachside Estates is looking for any able-bodied people to help with the construction efforts. But it says in big bold letters, constructs need not apply. Oh, we suppose we won't be getting that job. Are you what's known as a construct? Um... Well, we, we think so, yes. Did someone as assemble you? It looks like you're just made of moldy bookshelves. <laughs> uh, we used to be a construct. We're not so sure what we are now. Uh, but yes, we were assembled by Gibble Tinkertop. The harbor master comes out of his shack because he sees you two standing next to the bulletin board. And... Uh, he holds up a lantern, because it's dark out, it's, the, it's like after midnight, and he holds up this lantern, 
and he squints. He's this short, uh, pale-skinned dude with brown hair. He's probably, you know, 40 years old, and he squints at you both. He looks down at Wendell, he looks up at Clubhead, and he says, Can can I help you, folks? Oh, hi. Uh, Yes, definitely. We would like to get uh, book passage on the ship. We need to um, head over to Crow Island. Uh, we saw on the uh, in the newspaper there that they were looking for workers, and we would like to um, we would like to become those workers, or you know, do other useful things. Maybe become a reporter for the Gazette. Well, look, I- I'll sell passage to the wombat folk, but not the construct. Wait, why not? Well, haven't you heard of all the constructs going off and killing folks? What? Dangerous and unpredictable they are, a- and this one here looks like he's all sorts of messed up. Smells right earthy. I I can't in good conscience allow him to board any of the ships in my harbor. He just came out of the ground. He has been buried there for a long time. He's perfectly harmless, I'm sure. We haven't killed anything yet, except for this here cat. Ah, give me a persuasion check with disadvantage. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh, I only got an eight. Well, see, that's that's what I'm talking about. You've murdered a cat and turned it into a a bindle bag. Hmm. I just, uh, I can't, I can't let you board the ship. I'm I'm terribly sorry. Now, meanwhile, back down on the uh, docks next to the ship, Bunny and Silbeth, you notice the name on the ship is the Blackbird. It appears to have a fairly small crew. And as you're waiting there next to the ship, talking to one another, you look around and you see there's six humans, three dwarves, a couple of young half-orcs all queuing up and waiting to board the ship. They all have in their hands these writs of passage, much like you two have. And as you're talking to one another, a woman comes down the gangplank. She's thin and tall, and her skin has a slight blue tint to it. Her hair is dark greenish-blue, almost like seaweed. And she says, Hello, everyone. I'm Captain Harska. Let's see who we've got going to Crow Island tonight. The group of humans three men and three women, they look like they're going to try to move in in front of you. You two were there first. So do you do anything or say anything? Uh, yeah. As they're trying to push past, I, I stick my elbow out like, hey, there's no kind of line over here, big fella. <laughs> and then I'm saying, because she asked who we are, I'm like, uh, hi, ice cold, the slap monsoon, you can call me bunny. I'm on my way. This is my pal, uh, Silbeth. I don't know if I'm saying that right. We were here first. These guys, they're trying to be jerks, but now they can go. And then I look back at them and, you know, just give them the eye because there's some budget in line. Come on now. Give me an intimidation check. Oh, I'd love to. And that's a nine. That was very not intimidating. That was kind of how you delivered the line. It was just a matter of fact. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Captain Harska holds a hand up as if to say, everybody just settle down. She looks at you, Bunny, and says, I'll talk to you in a second. It seems as though she might recognize you. She turns to the other passengers and says, I'd like to check your paperwork. Anybody here pay full price, passenger rate? The six humans and the two half-orcs all hold up their writs of passage. She says, okay, uh, you all go aboard the ship. I will also hold up mine. She takes your writ of passage and she looks at it. She says, it looks like you've got some cargo that you're waiting to get loaded. Yes, that's why I need to ensure that I get on the ship. Well, it doesn't say that you paid the full price. It doesn't say I didn't either. That's true. Even if you did pay the full rate, you've got this cargo. 
Would you mind putting in some work on the ship? We sure could use your help. That would be fine as long as I'm guaranteed passage. You would be, yes. That is fine. Some of the other crew members are loading crates and boxes and barrels up onto the ship, and she turns to one of them and she says, Looks like we got a thin crew tonight, Chopper. Aye, we do it that, Captain. He smirks a bit as he says it, looking the passengers over. He knows the score. Captain Harska smiles a bit at this, and then she turns to the three dwarves that she's standing next to. They are sloppy drunk. It's a wonder they're still standing. And she says to them, been drinking tonight, guys? <laughs> the dwarf with the longest beard moans. Well, let's get you on the ship and see what you can do. The dwarves stumble toward the gangplank, and then Captain Harska turns to you, Bunny, and she says, Ice cold to slab monsoon. I saw you wrestled tonight. Uh, interesting match? Amazing fight against a tiger? Yeah, you know what? Next time we have a rematch, I think I'll take the tiger. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I saw the match tonight with some of the uh, some of the folks in the crew. Uh, it was good. Thank you. Um, by the way, what did you think of my finishing technique? I feel like I didn't land the chair strike. Oh, sorry. We're talking shop. We listen. We'll discuss that later. <laughs> you got a job to do. <laughs> so she asks you two to go ahead and board the ship and leave the casket behind. Um, Silbeth, is it okay to leave the casket here? I know this is like your closest friend. I will not leave her side unless I have to work, so you go ahead. All right. Do you head aboard the ship? Yes, sir, I do. Captain Harska looks at you, Silbeth, and she says, I know that whoever is in this box means a lot to you, but I assure you that my crew will take the utmost care, and your loved one is in good hands. I have already lost her once. I cannot lose her again. How do I know I can trust you? You have my word as the captain of this ship. Very well. If something happens and she is not board this ship, you will pay for it. Captain Harska looks a bit taken aback by that statement, and she says, My apologies. I will do my very best to make sure that uh, your loved one makes it aboard the ship safely. Please, uh, do board. All right, I, I reluctantly get on board. Meanwhile, back at the docks, talking to the harbor master, what have you guys concluded? Uh, well, first of all, Silbeth is very, very protective of that person in that box. Of course, we don't know that, but it's, it's just, it's, it's extreme. <laughs> now I'm curious. Clubhead is considering his options. Uh, doesn't really seem to have much. Looks like Wendell could get aboard by just paying money. Uh, but you said you don't have any money, right, Aaron? Nope. You do have eight spell scrolls, and you know that those are worth something. Um, Clubhead. Yes, Wendell? I have an idea. Do you see all those um, boxes and things that they're going to load on the ship? Do I see all the boxes? Yes, you do. You see boxes and crates. The smaller ones are being loaded on the uh, ship at the far end of the docks. And then there's a wagon that's got a larger box inside of it. And who is loading the items? Just crew, uh, large, burly-looking sailor types. Do any of the boxes look uh, large enough that I could feasibly get inside one of them? The one that's in the wagon looks large enough for a body. Okay. Uh, yes, Wendell, we see the boxes. I think we just need a little distraction, and I've noticed the weak point in this particular situation. Okay. What do you need from us? Well, um, maybe nothing. I'm just going to attempt to get those dwarves, uh, into each other's faces and, and cause a distraction. And meanwhile, you and I can sneak over and get on that wagon. 
Ooh. What do you think about that? It's worth a shot. Let's do it. Okay. So do you say anything to the harbor master? Right, get you go home. <laughs> you suck. Excuse me, what? Fuck off, idiot. I've never been told off so effectively before in my entire life. <laughs> yeah, and never will again. I'm outraged. I'm gonna go inside my cabin shack here. I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna touch myself to alleviate the pressure on my soul. Adios, faffer. <laughs> so you guys have, have cleared the way now. You can walk down to the docks. Each of you need to give me a stealth check, though, to see if anyone sees you sneaking down there. Well, okay, but before we sneak down, I want to... Where are the dwarves? Well, the dwarves are way down at the end of the docks, and it looks like everybody is boarding the ship. Okay, and the dwarves are... Are they near the wagon? Are they near any of it? Uh, they're close enough to the wagon that if they started some scuffle, they, they would probably distract yeah okay because I want uh, I want an advantage on this roll so I'm going to cast mage hand oh and I'm going to when the dwarves are in the right position yeah. I'm gonna make it I'm gonna make it so that the fit the uh, the mage hand kind of slaps the back of the head of one of the dwarves well y- they're gonna be walking up the gangplank and, uh, you know, Mage Hand slapping one, there's a chance they might, one of them might fall off the gangplank into the water. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or, let me think about this. Um, how steady is the gangplank, actually? Well, it's two or three feet wide, fairly steady. Could it be lifted up by a Mage Hand? It can't really... Not by a, not by a Mage Hand, no. Nope. Do that. Yeah, okay. All right, yeah, I'm going to try to uh, slap one of the dwarves out, give them a little, you know... Give him a little slap in the head, maybe knock his drunk ass off the gangplank. Okay. And I'm I'm going to cast a spell as well, but it, it won't interfere with what you're doing. Ooh. I'm just going to cast Guidance on myself. Excellent. So Clubhead lifts his uh, staff uh, up into the air slightly, and uh, some of the fungus goes out into the staff. A bunch of spores fall out of it onto the ground, which sort of muffle his steps a little bit. Yeah, so your stealth check is going to have that additional bonus to it. Okay. You walk down until you get close enough so you can use your mage hand. The dwarves are walking up the gangplank. Well, walking, more like stumbling. They're all drunk. And so that the other dwarves don't see it, you're going to smack the dwarf that's in the back of the line of three. And you need a dexterity check for this. Okay. Twelve. So with a 12, the mage hand slaps the dwarf in the back of the head, and he stumbles forward. He doesn't fall off the gangplank, but he stumbles forward enough that he puts his hands on the dwarf in front of him. That dwarf stumbles forward, puts his hands on the dwarf in front of him. Mind yourself! And they all three almost fall off the gangplank. They're all three grumbling and arguing with one another. You clumsy off! What are you doing? And uh, the captain and some of the other crew turn around and start talking to the dwarves. So you guys have a wonderful distraction. Nice. Yes. Not only do you get that bonus from guidance on your stealth check, Emery, but uh, Clubhead has advantage on this stealth check. And so does Wendell. Nice. Nice job, Wendell. 19. With guidance, I got a 25. Oh, my God. So you guys have no problem sneaking up to the other side of the wagon. You notice there are not many crates. There's one large barrel that's remaining on the dock. It's pretty big. It's marked rations. And then inside this wagon is this long, uh, narrow box. Wendell, give me an investigation check. 
Right, my favorite kind, <laughs> 21. This reminds you of the box that uh, you buried your mother in. Oh, wow, this is a coffin of some sort. I'm mighty curious about what's in this box. I'm going to hide in here, I think to myself. <laughs> uh, you said that there's a large box of rations? It's a barrel. Barrel. And it's marked rations, yes. Mm, okay. Oh, well, perhaps we should hide in here. Yes, shh, be quiet. Just get in there, quick. Okay. There's no time to be bumbling about. <laughs> Clubhead notices that the top of this barrel, the lid of the barrel, there's a small uh, knob on it, and you can just open it right up. It's not locked or latched or anything. And inside is just uh, it's little satchels of hardtack and dried meat and dried fruit and nuts and things like that. It's all dry rations. Perfect. But there's enough space that you could get in there if you really uh, scrunch yourself down. Okay. Or you can clear out some of the rations, throw them, you know, off the, onto the dock or into the water. Yeah, we're, we're going to throw some of the rations into the water. Okay. And uh, maybe maybe hand a few over to Wendell. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, climb on in. And right before the lid closes, uh, say, Thanks, Wendell. You're the best animal I've ever met. We will not destroy you. Thanks, Clubhead. You're the best shelf I've ever met. Now, Wendell, as you're looking at this coffin... Uh, you you think you're gonna just open it up? Uh, unfortunately, it is nailed shut. Oh, um, excuse me, Clubhead. Uh, I might need some help. The lid on the barrel pops up. Uh, what what what? You need help? Yeah, I got a little problem here. It looks like uh, this is uh, kind of closed, nailed. Oh, Wendell, give me a perception check. I only got a seven. Clubhead, you have your back to the ship. Uh huh. As you two are talking back and forth. A crew member comes down the gangplank and sees Wendell talking. He doesn't see Clubhead, but he sees Wendell. And he says, hey, you there. Okay, now is a good time for me to find out. Do I have my spells? You don't, because the spell book that you have, you haven't had a chance to study yet. Okay. You've got your cantrips, though. Right. Hey, Clubhead, uh, what should we do? Hey, he's coming for me. Who? Uh, I, I look to see if I can see. You can see a figure approaching Wendell. He's a tall, thin sailor, and uh, he he can't really see Wendell. He he saw movement, and he heard a voice. He's heading in that direction. Uh-oh. Uh, you, you better hide, Wendell. Okay. Can you fit me in the barrel with you? Is there room? Maybe. It'll be, it'll be cramped. Yeah, yeah, get, get out in here. All right, you're going to need to make a dexterity check for Wendell. You can use acrobatics if you want, kind of a contortion thing. Oh, whoops. Oh, <laughs> natural one. Uh, yep, I rolled a one. You're trying to scamper up the side of the barrel when you feel a hand on your shoulder. You turn and you see this sailor. You're trying to stow away, are you, little fella? Okay, but uh, before any of us, anything bad happens. Okay. Clubhead casts a spell. Again, some of the fungus, the tendrils, sort of creep out from within his body and cover the staff. And some spores puff out of it into the face of this uh, ship crew. Oh my. Yes, he is going to have to make a wisdom save. Well, wisdom is not his strong suit. <laughs> uh, you got a 14. That is high enough. He resists it. <coughs> what the what the bloody hell? <laughs> uh, uh, well, let's try that again. <laughs> I have two spell slots, so I'm going to try it one more time. I mean, he got 11, 11. 11, okay, that is, that is a failure. So what I have just cast upon him is Charm Person. The spores work their way into his lungs, and 
His mood changes. He seems to be a bit more pliable to your suggestions. Um, hello, uh, good friend. <coughs> oh, hello, friend. This is Wendell. He is our friend, too. Oh, okay. We are simply, um, uh, inspecting this barrel for any uh, impurities. The problem is, uh, we can't get this, uh, box open because it's nailed shut. So we're going to need you to undo the nails, uh, pull the nails out so that we can get a good look inside, please. Right. And then, uh, once we give it our seal of approval, you can take it aboard the ship. <laughs> okay. So he goes over and he grabs a, a tool off of his uh, belt and he starts prying the lid off of the coffin. Meanwhile, on the ship... Silbeth and Bunny are uh, being integrated into the crew. Uh, the dwarves stumble on last. There was a kerfuffle. They almost fell off the gangplank. <laughs> and the captain, Captain Harska, looks at you, Bunny, and you, Silbeth, and says, Oh my god, I don't think we can let these guys have any jobs that are important until they sober up. Yeah, I've been there myself, man. You, you do enough mead and all of a sudden you get a little knock need. Well... I'm strong enough, I can do the job of at least two doors. I am also much stronger than I look. What would you have me do, Captain? Well, you know, I could certainly use a hand with the rigging, uh, working the sails. My crew is good at teaching that, so if you would like, uh, you can just start with some simple lessons and they'll guide you through it. Hey, nothing to it but to do it. Let's get down to business. I'm ready. So uh, you guys start uh, working with the sails. There's a, a crew member who, who calls himself Pete, and he, he says, I'll be helping you get the sails figured out. Each of you, uh, give me a dexterity check. Hey, look at that, folks. <laughs> Got a big fail. A five. <laughs> All right. A natural one and a five. <laughs> As the crew member, Pete, is trying to explain how to do this and trying to show you how to pull the rope just right and layer the sail and you know, all, you guys end up like putting a big knot in the rope and stumbling over your own feet. And uh, he says, uh, Captain Harska, uh, I don't think this is going to work out. <laughs> uh, uh, wait, sorry, man. I'm still a little woozy from all the, like, tiger claw marks. Also, have you seen my feet? Size 6 and women's. There's just a lot going on. Let me let me catch a breather. I promise I'm more more capable than this, Captain. I'm sorry. Ugh. The tiger claws. You know how that goes. Well, we've got other jobs on the ship, so maybe we'll just move you on to something. You guys ever fire a cannon before? I've always wanted to. I can't say that I have. All right. I'm ready to try. Well, we can teach you. So head on down to the to the lower deck. I'll go down. You get down to the lower deck, and there's a there's a half orc who looks like he's about a thousand years old. It's all battle scarred. He's missing an eye. He's missing a hand. He's just uh, you know he's look he looks like he's been through a lot. He says, uh, "Am I gonna help teach you guys how to use a cannon?" That's what we were told. Yes, sir. Nothing to it, really. You just pick up a cannonball and say, get the thing with the powder and put that and then put the ramrod in. So give me another dexterity check, both of you. Oh, this one's going to go great. I'm going to use Tides of Chaos on this one to give me advantage. Ooh, 13. Well, 13 either way. Okay. <laughs> so with a 13 and a 13, that is enough to learn how to be cannoneers. Is that the right term for it? Cannoneers? 
It is now, I guess. I think so. Bunny DePayne and Silbeth Orist, you guys are cannoneers. <laughs> and Tides of Chaos works uh, really well for you, Silbeth. It adds one level of emotional charge to your uh, body, but it doesn't force you to roll for Wild Magic Surge. This makes me a little emotional. Yeah. Meanwhile, out on the docks, the helper out there has gotten the uh, casket lid open, and uh, you guys look in and you see that there is a deceased woman in the casket. Hmm, interesting. Well, there's not much time before the ship leaves, so we better do our inspection. Thanks for your assistance. If you could just leave that tool with us, that would be much appreciated. And we will take care of this, and you can get back to whatever it is you were doing. Uh, Anything for my new friends. Yes. He hands you the tool, and and he heads back on the ship. Wait, 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 wait. Here, give me me a hug. Give me a hug. Give us a hug, then. Oh, he gives you a big hug. Say hello to the wife for us and the kids. Oh, yes, of course. (laughs) See you next time, next year for for the holidays. (laughs) For the holidays, yes. For the holidays. And he he wanders off onto the ship. We're good friends, you see. I love that man. <laughs> so, <laughs> where do you guys go? I mean, there's there's room in the in the casket maybe for Wendell, but I, I, you wouldn't fit both of you. I guess Clubhead could fit in there if he really scrunched no, himself. No, I think Clubhead's gonna gonna hide in the the barrel full of food. Okay. Clubhead, I'm going to climb in the coffin now. Can you put a couple nails in there, just enough to keep the lid on, but maybe uh, not too many so I can get out if I need to? Yeah. Uh, Well, I'm going to look at it. It was nailed shut previously. Was there like a lock or anything on it or a way to lock it? Actually, yes, there is a latch on it, but there wasn't anything holding it shut. Okay, we'll lock you right in there, Wendell. Oh, are you going to lock me in? All right, well... Uh, as long as you can get me out again, hopefully. Of course. We'll make you nice and secure. What did you give him for rations out of the barrel? Just like a handful or a little sack? Yeah, just, uh, however much you wanted, Wendell. There's plenty of it. Five? Five snacks. Five snacks it is. <laughs> Clubhead, you pull that lock that you, uh, that you found in the sewers out of your, uh, internal pocket and uh-huh. you lock it on the casket with Wendell tucked cozy inside next to Silbeth's lover, the love of her life, her body. <laughs> Clubhead, you get back in the barrel and pull the lid down. You're secure in this barrel of dry rations. The crew load you aboard the ship and now the ship is starting to set sail. You have enough food, but you don't have enough water for the entirety of the trip. So thirst is going to become an issue for you. Meanwhile, in the passenger compartments, over the course of the next few hours, Bunny and Silbeth, you realize that the six humans who tried to budge in front of you in line, they're wealthy folks, and so are the two half-orcs. They won't be participating in any of the running of the ship. And the three dwarves are drunk and worthless the first night, and probably going to be hungover all the next day. The next morning, when you wake up Silbeth, the very first thought in your mind is of Turley Oakcrest, your love. You know that the coffin was loaded aboard the ship, but there's something, but you feel compelled to just check on her body. Yeah, I uh, I definitely want to go down as soon as I get up and check to see that she made it safely into the hold. Uh, Bunny, what do you do? I mean, now that we got a little bit of downtime, honestly, I want to write a letter to my parents. I know I was starting to write one, but I feel like me taking off right after that whole fracas, they deserve better. So 
that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna sit pensively, like, and write a little bit of a letter, yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, Silbeth, you go down into the cargo hold, and you see the crates and the barrels and everything with the rations all stacked up nice and neat. It's all packed in there very tight. It's a small ship, so there's not a lot of spare room. Uh, and then in the in the cargo hold along one of the walls of the ship, you see Turley's casket. I go over to the casket. Give me a perception check. 21. There is a lock on the casket that wasn't there before. I examine the casket more closely to see why that might be on there. Wendell and Clubhead both give me a perception check. Ooh. 11. 4. <laughs> Clubhead, there are some little tiny cracks in the in the walls of this barrel. And so you're able to see that there's someone moving around <laughs> uh, over by where you last saw the casket. Oh. Uh, Wendell, uh, you're not perceiving anything because it's, it's completely dark inside of this casket and you're, you know, crouched in there next to a dead body. Maybe Wendell's having a nap. <laughs> Wendell, what are you doing? Like, what do you do when you're in there? I'm focused on uh, arranging my poop cubes currently. <laughs> <laughs> you poop a ton of poop cubes a day, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, they're super poops. <laughs> There's about 12. Okay, so maybe you're a little constipated. I thought it was going to be like 100. Well, these are, uh, they're bigger than you think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Do I hear, do I hear that movement? I'd say with the 21, yeah, you hear something moving. You think there's something moving in the casket. Uh, I, I feel a surge of panic and confusion. All right, you take a level of emotional charge and you need to roll a d20. Here we go, folks. Seven. You're able to stifle the panic enough to focus your attention on this casket. You, you sense there's something alive inside. Uh, in sort of my confusion as to what's going on, I, I say, Tur Turley, is that you? Wendell, you hear a voice call out to Turley. Um, yes, it's me, Turley. <laughs> <laughs> who, who am I talking to? Well, it's me, Silbeth, but what's wrong with your voice? Oh, hello, Silbeth. Um, uh, I'm dead now. I sound different. <laughs> uh, am I falling at all for this? Let's find out. Uh, Brad, give me an insight check, and uh, Aaron, give me, a, give me a deception check. I rolled a 17, and I have a minus one. A natural one for a five. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all work that out, because, uh, yeah, I think that speaks for itself. Um, I just came back to say hello, but I can't stay long. How did you survive? How did you come back? It was really nice to talk to you again, though, Silbeth. Is there any last questions you wanted to ask me before I, I head back to the afterlife? No, wait, I need to see you. I, I start smashing the lock with my quarterstaff. <laughs> you don't have a staff, but you do see that there's a, a couple of logs next to this. I will do that. All right, you pick up a chunk of wood. Give me an attack roll. All right, that would be a five. You pick up this uh, awkward chunk of wood and start smashing at the lock on the casket. And you're not really adept at using a big, awkward chunk of wood. And so as you're hitting it, you're just not effectively hitting the lock hard enough or in the right spot. It's very, very frustrating. And the, the emotions inside of you continue to build. You take another level 
as this anxiety. You think Turley is alive inside this casket. You need to see her. Roll a d20. Four. Very close, but not quite. You barely <laughs> hold the magic surge inside of you. What do you do now? Turley, don't don't go. I'm, I'm coming for you. Wait. Yeah, inside this co- coffin, Wendell, not only is it cramped because you're next to a dead body, but also the banging from this big chunk of wood is just echoing and it's deafening. Silbeth, you're scaring me. Please, uh, you're uh, you're alarming me. I'm, I'm trying to rest. If, if it's echoing like that, do you think I'd be able to hear it upstairs? Give me a perception check. You're quietly writing a letter to your parents, thoughtfully, quietly. Sure, sure. 20. You hear Silbeth's voice echo from deep within the ship. Yeah. And you go running. <laughs> you enter the cargo hold of the ship just in time to see Silbeth, whose face is uh, contorted with angst, and and she's striking the lock on uh, on the coffin with this big chunk of wood. Silbeth, what's going on? Turley, she's alive. I need to get her out. Can you break this lock? Wait, Turl in the casket? What? My lover's alive in there. Oh, holy smoke. All right, yes, uh, I grab one of those logs, and I'm just... I'm gonna give it a whack, I guess, because that's not what I would do. You do have your chair, but yeah, you could use the log if you wanted to. No, you're damn right. That's what the chair is for. I also want to note that while all this is happening, Clubhead, you're seeing another second individual come into the room. You're hearing this conversation. You hear Wendell. Yeah. What do you do? Well, right as I see this very large, muscly man lift this chair to strike my lock, uh, I burst out of the (laughs) barrel and I say, not out lock! <laughs> Stop it! You're gonna hurt it! I would be freaked the fuck out, I would assume. <laughs> 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 um ah, Oh, wait. Are you alive? Yes. Uh just don't hurt our lock, please. Well, th- this is my pal Silbeth's her her lover's alive in there. We have to get her out. Oh, uh, well, ju- why didn't you just ask? Sheesh. Uh Clubhead. <laughs> Climbs out of the barrel, all covered in fungus, like some mm. weird spidery skeleton made out of wood. Uh, and then, uh, sort of unnaturally, when he walks, he kind of looks like a broken marionette, you know, <laughs> yeah. that just barely is held together. Um, and he sort of shambles towards the uh, the the coffin and produces a key and unlocks it. Okay, before he opens it. Wendell says, Silbeth, uh, there's so many people now. I, I have to go. I have to go back. But I'm going to leave uh, a wombat folk here and <laughs> to, to, as a token of my love for you. Goodbye. You need to give me a deception check, Wendell. Can I roll an opposed insight? Yes, you may. <laughs> Twelve. Eight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the world is full of <laughs> mysteries, and the afterlife presents you with one of those mysteries that you just have not solved yet. Silbeth, you you take to heart what this voice has told you. It is it's, uh, Turley has left you this wombat folk inside the coffin. <laughs> All right, well, uh, you know, once the lock's open, I open up the lid, and I see Wendell... And I say, you came from Turley? Yes, that's right. Turley sent me. All right, I need Bunny to make an insight check. (laughs) 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 Uh, Insight, insight, here it goes. Wow. 20. That is the biggest load of shit you've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, 
So Beth. Yes? I spent a lot of time around people playing characters and personas and just hearing shenanigans and bullshittery. Um, that wombat is full of everything but the truth, pal. Yes, but Turley was in there and I know her like the back of my hand and she said that that she sent to this wombat folk. Listen, I know you know your past lover. Do this for me. Ask this wombat creature right now to talk and tell me it doesn't sound like what you thought Turley did inside of the casket. Hey, wombat, what's your name? Wendell. Then I look over at Silbeth. What does that sound like, Silbeth? Give me another insight check. <laughs> An eight. God <laughs> I was speak. I was obviously speaking for her. Oh, you're a channeler. Yes. Oh, <laughs> now I understand. <laughs> Wait, it, is she okay? Yes. Yes, she's fine, and she sends her love and wishes <laughs> that she could still see you. Oh well, I'm glad to hear she went someplace good. <laughs> Yes, yes, it's great, isn't it? Please uh, give me a hand. I need to get out of this coffin now. This is a bit, it was a bit cramped for the few seconds that I was in here. <laughs> uh, Clubhead has climbed back into his barrel, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I help him out and I say, can you contact her any time you'd like? I, I might be able to. It's, uh, you know, it just depends. It depends on um, a variety of different factors, but I, w I will do my best to contact her when needed. Then you must travel with me. Yes, very well. Uh, as you say, I must. <laughs> uh, I, I look around for that terrifying little puppet dude I just saw, and I'm like, um, hey, where did the, the nightmare creature go just now? I went ahead and rolled a stealth check, and I got a 21. Give me a perception check, Bunny. I got a 21. Oh! <laughs> Even though you were very sneaky and you just kind of backed <laughs> away into the shadows while everyone was seemingly, you know, talking and, and occupied, uh, Bunny, you saw the lid of the barrel slowly lower. You know that that sketchy uh, construct is inside that barrel of food. Uh, because I'm leery of what it could be, I'm just going to, like, tap on the side of the barrel with my, my chair, like... Hey, 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 pal, you're not evil, right? Like, in, inside the barrel, you, I don't know what to call you. No, we're, we're not evil. Come out. I know you're in there, man. Okay. Uh, the lid pops up slowly, and Clubhead sticks his grotesque head out. Um, what, what do you want? We, we just want to wait till he gets to Crow Island. Hey, that, that's where we're going. Uh... Hi, I'm, I'm uh, Ice Cold the Slap Monsoon, but you can just call me Bunny. Do you have a name? Do murder puppets have names? Uh, yeah, we're called Clubhead. Nice to meet you, Club Ice Cold. Likewise. Um, are you with the, the wombat over here? Yes, that's Wendell the wombat. Um, but now I'm, uh, um, I've been, I'm, I'm together with, with Silbeth now. We're a team. Wendell the Wombat. All right. And then this is Silbeth. All right. Um, if we're all going to Crow Island, I need to get out of town for various reasons. Are you being chased by people as well? Uh, Wendell is. Oh, so Wendell's the troublemaker out of you two. Okay. Uh, I turn to Windows like, hey, you know, there's, there's power in numbers. You guys all want to run away together? Yes, of course. <laughs> and then I... <laughs> okay. Uh, so, Beth, how do you feel about this? I know you have to take uh, Tully, I believe you said her name was. Turley. Her name is Turley. 
Turley. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, once again, it's, it's the tiger wounds, the little dizzy. Pardon me. Um, I feel like the first thing we need to do is, once we get to the island, bury Turley? Well, I, I need to find her parents and tell them the news. Oh, oh, it's one of those. Okay. All right, well, we're, we're all pals now. I have to finish this letter to my parents, so I'm going to go back upstairs. Um, I, I guess see, see you all later, and then I go back to finish that letter. Uh, ice cold. Yes, sir. Uh, club pu- puppet. Club head. Uh, club head, You yes. are the nicest person I've ever I, met. I'm... He, just like me, he's a sucker for a couple of minutes. Oh, oh my god! Uh, <laughs> I, you know what? Ever since I was a little kid and I used to, like, break stuff and get into, like, miscellaneous fights, I've always felt, give everyone a chance even if the sight of them terrifies you. Who knows? Maybe you'll get a surprise. Everyone's a friend you haven't met yet, pal. Well, I would like to offer you one of my delicious goodberries. And, uh, he picks a, uh, what looks like a ripe fruit off of his body. It's like this uh, eyeball-shaped, like, fungus berry thing. <laughs> and he holds it out to you. So it's instead of instead of good berry, you have good mushroom. Good mushroom, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is how Clubhead has been keeping himself uh, nourished, despite the lack of water. Self-cannibalism. Yes. Did you say you're made of wood? He's a shelf. I'm very suspicious uh, of this thing. When I was a girl, uh, a tribe of lizard folk uh, attacked our, our settlement, and uh, they they had made these little constructs out of wood as part of their attack, so... Weird. I'm very suspicious of him. And that is episode nine of the Valley of Green Gold. Will Silbeth ever realize that Wendell is lying to her? And what will happen if she does? You'll just have to wait and find out. We play Dungeons & Dragons together because it's fun, and we're really happy that you enjoy Rated RPG. One of the things that you can do to ensure that this show continues is giving us great reviews. Wherever you get podcasts, whether it's Podbean or Spotify or Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts, and if you write us a nice review on Apple Podcasts, for example, we might even include it right here. Another way you can support Rated RPG is by becoming a patron. Thank you to Bossa Nova Bill, Grey Wolf 99, and Unknome for your support. We raise a glass and toast the health of the gorgeous Phoenix Brigade. Members in good standing include Mongoose, Scott McGrath, and Anna. Oh, you know, we resurrected our bucket of friends not long ago, but somebody dared Great White Spark to go swimming alone in the dark. Our friend said, yeah, fuck it, but ended up in a bucket after getting a hug from a shark. Sorry, man. Hey, if you want a special patron-only rated RPG t-shirt, appear in a newspaper headline in-game, provide random gifts to the characters, and more, go to our website and check out our Patreon tiers. All of the character sheets are on our website under the blog. It's ratedrpgpodcast.com. Go there and take a look. On behalf of everyone around Ye Old Gaming Table, thank you for enjoying the Rated RPG Podcast.